0: Yes, hello, folks. Welcome to Be On The Pitch. I'm your host as always, Phil Brown. Uh, a special episode today. Delighted to be joined here with a man who needs no introduction to United fans, but i will do one nonetheless. The magnificent people, someone who's responsible for many songs that have been playing in my head. I've him over the last 20 25 years from going to United and uh, my young lad going over to Old Trafford, who's responsible for so much of what we hear on the terraces at United. He has a fantastic relationship with. Uh, current and ex players, one of whom I'm extremely ambitious of, uh, Cantona. Uh, Borley works very, very hard at what he does. He's earned the right to do this. a uh, fantastic ambassador for the for United fans, and I must say honoured to have him on the show. How you doing, Borley, mate?
1: Thank you very much. Sir. Can't really uh, get... get I'll, 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 if I didn't have a big head already, that would have one <laughs> now, wouldn't
0: I? <laughs> no, listen, uh, first of all, obviously, um, but pre-internet, you know, when I was going over to Old Trafford as a young lad, first time I set foot at Old Trafford was 91. Uh, United Arsenal won each. Uh, Roe Castle scored and Steve Bruce scored an equaliser. I'll never forget the first time I walked up the steps at Old Trafford. I was 16 and it took my breath away. And uh, obviously... Trying to learn about the culture of the football club in Manchester, people like yourself was really, really important for a young lad like me. I wasn't immersed in it the way you were, so I was obviously wanting to learn the words of the songs and everything. And I was a big red issue, uh, purchaser at the time. And so, so much of what you did helped people like myself become familiar with its culture and these magnificent songs. That are never one of the things about your songs, Billy, is. They're never copied. You know, you, you see, you hear these tunes that do they get recycled all throughout the grounds with a few chains words. Yours are always original. Um, tell me, before, before we get into that, how did your love of matches United come about? Well,
1: I'll be I'll
0: brutally be honest. It doesn't matter where you come from. It
1: doesn't really matter. I mean, I'm lucky if I came from local, but if you've got a family member, like a parent or a brother or an uncle or whatever, and they take you to a game, then, you know, I think you just, I think you just get, get get engrossed in it. And my, and my dad, my dad was a United fan, as I've told people before, by the toss of a coin. It sounds daft, but he was mm-hmm. brought up by Catholic nuns. Uh, he was an orphan, and one day they were playing football as kids, and he said, in the 40s, and he went, right, heads, United, tail, city, or vice versa, whatever. So I, I, I'm the United fan, because of a flick of a coin, and it's, mm-hmm. if you think about it, because my, my dad then got, got to look for the results and started going to games, and he took me... Now, I'd be honest with you, if he would have took me to see Stockport County or Bury or, or you know, any team, I don't like saying it was, but I would have gone with my dad, and my, so my dad took me at an early age, and I was lucky, really, because uh, a lot of people, you know, if, if the parents didn't go to games, and that's why, you know, you might not have gone to a bit older, but I was four years old when I went to my first game, and uh, it's also quite a funny day because... I didn't realise this till about... I didn't realise this till about seven, seven or eight years ago, the power of the internet, and I, I sort of, like, tweeted that it was, like, 40 years ago since, like, my first game or whatever, and somebody clocked it and said, the very day Paul Scholes was born.
0: Incredible. I, my,
1: my first game was on the 16th of November, 1974, which was the day Skullsey was born, and I have actually used it when I was doing a, a Q&A with Scholesy on, so I well, anyway, I said, 16th of November, 1974, Paul, a very historic day, and he was smack, laughing away to all of it. I was like, no, not you being born. It's my first game. And he was like, eh? <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so that's how it goes, really. You know, and I, and I was, uh, you know, you say, like, you come in and you see, you smell it, you smell it, it's the hot dog sausage, you see mm-hmm. you, you, the, the, the aroma of the ground, and you see the, how, how green the grass is. I remember the first, one of the first games, going to a night match. I remember the yeah, when I was a little kid I was the thrill of going up the stairs and coming out and watching the seeing just the pitch of each other it was a thrill and you don't forget that it sounds nope. rough really but up, and, up until about say maybe 15 years ago I still used to get a bit of a buzz if I got if I got a bus to like to, to do the, the Bishop to sort of like almost on a non-match day going to collect a couple of tickets for a game I, I used to sometimes sort of like start jogging a little bit down Warwick Road down my busby way you know, the excitement and and I think it's it's that really you, you get engrossed into it and mate, mate, I don't think it ever completely goes but then like with me now taking my my boy my my son Georgie I think I think I get a buzz for him now as well because he you know he get he gets that excitement about it you know and he's talking about it twenty four seven sometimes I'm thinking I don't know he knows things about modern United that I don't know at all you yeah. know what I mean I remember that game when uh, end of the season a few years ago and we were playing I think Josh Harrop scored his only game yeah. in his only game yeah. And I didn't know any of the players there that day, you know. And I was going, "Go on, number twenty-seven, thirty-nine, <laughs> and all that." And Georgie was putting and saying, "Georgie was only about six or so." He was going, "That's Josh Harris." that's, God, 15, and, that's and you know, and, and, he, and he's like how I was then, you know what I mean? And, and I think, and that's how generations pass. That's how I was dragged to United, and uh, it's good to see that we have still got some, you know, with all the distractions of Xboxes yeah. and all that, and all the modern things. There is still like some people passing it
0: on, really. You, 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 yeah, I know, obviously, uh, I try to pass it on to my sons. totally different in America, but uh, he watches games every weekend, it's something that matters to me, it's not the same experience. What does Georgie think of you? You're obviously one of the most high-profile United fans. Um, what does he think of his dad being someone that stands on you table singing songs? Uh, is he lapping up or is he telling you to get down? <laughs>
1: No, well, yeah, he, he's. Uh, I think he's proud in his own way. He didn't always understand it, you know. The sure. Funny thing is, I took him in the Bishop's plays uh, quite a few times, and uh, remember taking him for a year, about two or three years ago, and, uh, and I got he wanted to get up singing like, and the, I, said, I got, everyone went quiet, and, and I thought, go on, Georgie, six, six, seven years old, and he stands up, and he, what songs <laughs> he go into? He goes. So proud of him, right? His glory days are over. And then, uh, and then also, one the pub started singing Georgie a song. And then at one stage, the pub started singing "Oh Georgie, we love you, we love you, Georgie." And I looked round, and Georgie was singing it himself. And I said, "Georgie, as much as I love myself, I don't sing that. I love myself. You don't join in with that one. You know what I mean? <laughs> He was clapping away, singing. Oh, but he, he's quite. Uh, George is actually quite shy until he feels comfortable, but I think he likes it, and I think that he's very he's lucky, really, in fact. To you know, but he's, he's managed to meet a lot of the players, more the people. You know, when I when I was a kid, and uh, I met Nicky Thomas when I was about ten years old, and you know, one of my first idols. It was great to meet Nicky, mm-hmm. and Nicky uh, and me still joke about it now. Well, like you know, George is uh, George had the pleasure of meeting Fergie, Eric, you know, Eric, Eric. Uh, with Jose, Ollie, uh, you Amazing. know, it's not bad for a lot of his age, you know. And he's uh, so he, I think I think he likes it. On the, he, I think he I think he's proud of it, really. You know, what I mean, he might sometimes say, "Dad, Dad," you know, but but deep down, I think he's quite proud of it. And I know that when you know when he goes to school, when he went to school once, and he told some of the people he'd met Flatan and he'd met
2: mm-hmm. he'd
1: met Herrera, and he, he got he got, you know, got he got a message off the Gaya. Uh, and some of his other mates at school, he said m my, my my you know, such a person, Johnny said his dad knows knows as cause. Well I said, Yeah, well okay, he might Because I didn't want to be too like but, you know, be a big child you know, <laughs> do what you can for your kids and he's very lucky. But I said to him, you know, if all my kids are gonna say it, it's fine, Georgie, you know, some might do, but you know what I mean. But I think uh, but he definitely my daughter, Bella, she 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 liked football till a few years ago and then one day Helen and my wife said uh What's coaching it to will be today, Bella, because me and Georgie was at Stamford Bridge, mm-hmm. and Bella says Chelsea, I don't. United, give a damn. And it was, just, it, oh. it, was it was when we realised that she's not really interested in football anymore. You know, she's got her own sport. she just synchronised and swimming. But uh, but Georgie absolutely loves it, I and mean, you know, he, he wants to analyse a game and he wants to talk about every other game. and He tells me that you know, Bert and Albion have released Steve Jones, you know, and someone else has signed this. and Georgie's got a knowledge of all football, like, uh, like kids that do, really, when they are yeah. passionate about it, you know.
0: And obviously, boy, it's brilliant. You let your daughter have her own identity. You don't force anything on her. But one of the great things about football, I'm father to two boys as well, and two two girls, uh, is the fact that you can share a love of football, a love of the sport. You can get lost in conversations about football with your son that makes you connect on a way that maybe you find it difficult to connect on other things, especially when we lose them today to the internet, we lose them to digital media in the ways that you and I didn't. We were out playing football on the street. We were out talking to our mates. We were much more social and verbal than what kids are today. So it is a great thing for you to be able to share that with your son. That solidifies a relationship in so many other ways that uh, football, and maybe only footballers, can, can do. Maybe There's probably other sports that do it as well. But um, that certainly... A very positive dividend. So, do you find that your love of football, your shared love of football with Georgie, also um, provides benefits in other aspects of your relationship with him?
1: Definitely, I think it does. I think he, uh, I think, he, I mean, I'm very lucky that he also, like you know, for for a kid his age, he's he also loves his music and he's been to a few yeah. concerts with me, and he uh, he, he likes his music and he likes to talk to football. And I make a habit of you know, a lot of work shift hours, you know. When the weather permits, like we have nets in the back garden, and we and we do, you know, I take some shots on him quite, you know. We have some, we have some, we have some games of football in the back garden. You know, we, we play each week. If some weeks I might play three or four days a week, then you know we'll have we'll have a kick about in the garden. And he play when I'm not working and when I'm this, I take him to his football training and to his football locally on weekends. So I have an interest in it, and he you know, always makes sure make sure you put your phone down, make sure you're watching me, and all that, you know. So yeah, it's, it, I'd like to think I've got a good father-son relationship, and football. And, you know, I, I, I would try and make the effort no matter what he was interested in. You know, but the fact that he likes football and music—it's so a real—it's uh, probably easy in lots of ways. But you know, I try and show an interest in other things that he likes. Yeah. And not, I, went, I went to London after after the Bournemouth game a couple of years ago. I went to London with him afterwards, and we went to see the Harry Potter play. It's not really that nice scene, but you, you know, you make the effort for yes, your, you do. kids, don't you? You know what I mean? And uh, so
0: yeah, we we have we have a very good relationship. But football is definitely United. He's at the forefront. Of it, I'll be honest. What about uh, social media for kids, uh, buddy, Because obviously um, there's positives and negatives to that. Uh, are you going to let him have a a social media account at a, at a young age? Or are you going to protect them from that?
1: Yeah, it he was uh, it was in April. the am just and we're very yeah, I mean, wary of all the social media things, but kids want to have it, so yeah. he's got his first phone, and uh, he, he has got an Instagram account, but he knows what he, what he can and can't do, and it's protected to a certain extent, and he, he, he posts with these he's like his cousins and that, but I, I'm not too keen on, you know, I know I don't sound hypocritical, because use it to promote me on Twitter, but I, I'm not really keen on that side of things, and I, you're also uh, kids like to watch, you know, he knows what sort of things. You know, he's not welcome in the house to watch in terms of you know certain fan cams and things like that. I mean, he knows. You know, I said, look, you want to. I've sort of tried to educate him in the things of what's you know what's what what sort of like I think is you know acceptable and what's not acceptable and sort of things like that. What, and sadly, a lot of kids like to watch YouTubers and watch people, yeah. in, you know, people who are to me doing you know. You know I, I can. What, if you want to listen to classical music or heavy rock music, I don't mind. I don't mind. if he wants to watch up sports, but I try and draw the line at people, watching people who just make videos all day. And you yes. know, it's, you know, him and his mates sometimes would watch. You know, watch people who are, who are like playing video games. I mean, he's not the only one. People watch people what playing video games. As a, as a, as a, I just don't get it at all. You know, I mean, I people mean. Get, get millions of views for playing yeah. for playing. Playing their own Xbox it's mad, it, isn't it? It's crazy world we live in, but uh, yeah, I, I'm not trying to say what's right, what he can and can't do to an extent. But there's certain things we try and sort of steer him away from, you know. And I think that's, you know, uh, that's what you know. People might not agree with that, but uh, you know, he's I mean, the way it is anyway, he's anyway. He, he does a lot of sport and he does mu- he plays music and he he works hard. He does do his school work hard. And, we give him some free time, you know, certain time. But he's got to do his—he's uh, got—he's got to do his things, his, his proper things before he can before he can spend any time on uh, on his phone or or on his uh, on his Xbox and that, you know.
0: Sounds to me, mate, like uh, you're a very doting father. It's coming through, and everything that you say. I want to ask you about your own personality because it takes a lot of balls to stand on tables surrounded by thousands of fans the belt out United songs. Um, how did that come about, and are you an extrovert in terms of your personality, where you thought this is nice stage, this is this something I want to do, or were you a bit embarrassed the first time you started doing it? Yeah,
1: no, I don't forget, I think, as my, as my best man Steve once said, Pete doesn't get embarrassed, we get embarrassed for him, you know what I mean? That's uh, <laughs> what he said in the best man, his best man speech at the wedding, but, uh, I think that, I've never been shy, I think, I think it's really weird, really, I think my dad, my dad was quite shy. My mum my was a bit of an extrovert, I suppose. In some ways, she wasn't. You know, she'd sort of like would dance at a sort of family doing things like that and she, when she was younger. Uh, I think it was partly because I, I probably wanted to be a footballer. I played I played at an okay level at school, but I wasn't any better than that. And all the lights have been in a band, a cool band, I didn't really. I didn't play an instrument, so I suppose it started when when, when I was. I think one of the things was, when I was probably in the, in the teens, in the early teens, I probably looked a few years older. So when I used to go United Road Paddock and that, and start, and, and then the Bag and Partridge, if, a, if someone who was generally my age at the time tried to start a song off in the ground, people would laugh, thinking it was a kid, and no one would really join in. When I was probably 13, I probably looked about 18, so I could get away with it a bit more. I had a bit of a deeper voice. And I suppose... A lot of people I've seen, they try and start a song off, and if it doesn't take off, they die and they sit down and they're mortified. They might do after a couple of pints and they try and sing. Whereas myself, I never got, I never got embarrassed. So if, if so, no one, if no one joined in the first couple of times, I'd carry on. And eventually, people would, if, you, if the song was good enough, people would join in. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that I've seen. I've seen blokes, you know, 10, 15 years older than me, when I used to sit in the corner of the ground at mm-hmm. the j stand. And I've seen them stand up in case I'm dying to do a song. Mm-hmm. And they get up and know they're joining and just like they just want a lie. The, they want the earth to swallow them up, the ground to swallow them up. <laughs> and I never really got embarrassed in that, you know. And uh, I think, yeah, I think it's, I think it's, I think I was described as an extrovert when I was younger on the school report. So I think a lot of people used to stand around and looking at me. And I think a lot of them wanted to do what I was doing, but they didn't have the balls to do it. And I think Absolutely. I understand that, you know. I think, it's, you know, I think, like, you people don't, don't do that, you know, but mm-hmm. I, I just always wanted, to, you know, I was just never never scared of failure in that way, you know. So Some people think that maybe I should have, like,
0: uh, maybe they should have directed my, my, uh, my determination <laughs> in other ways in life,
1: you
2: know what <laughs> I
0: mean? It's, it's funny because, you know, I live in America, which has a whole different sport and culture, and they're, they, they don't have... You know they have very mundane songs. You know that really don't have a lot of lyrics. So um, obviously you socialise with Americans right here, American men and women, and they've they've heard us sing a lot of the songs that you've created. And the look on their faces <laughs> when they hear these songs, first of all, they're impressed that um, we as grown men stand on the, the sidelines and stand on the terraces and sing these songs that are extremely creative. Um, where would you rank your best? Say maybe your top five. What are your top five favorites? Uh, it's really. I would say not all,
1: not all the, not all the top five personal ones are probably ones that have necessarily taken off because what I wanted to do was make sure we have something to go down in history. So in twenty mm-hmm. years, twenty, in, we can look back twenty years ago and I've done songs about Paul Parker and Lee Sharp and. And you know songs that maybe not everyone knows, but they've been on the tapes and the CDs. Uh, probably one of my favourite all-time songs. I, when I used to do live concerts, well, of me, me in the back and me in the band,
2: yeah.
1: it was called "Whenever, Whenever I See Man United Play." You can you can see it on there, uh, there's a video on uh, YouTube. My mate Thomas from Norway, who uh, he made a video for me about it, and it basically it's almost like autobiography It's almost like my own journey watching United as a kid. It's to the tune mm-hmm. of. Uh, Dirty Old Town, which obviously is well known to United, but this was written in 1994, long before any other United song to this tune was done. And it starts off with First Saw the Reds in Days Long Gone By, Team Was Grand, and the fans, oh my, so proud back then as I am today whenever I see Man United playing. And where the original song says Dirty Old Town at the end of each verse, my song Started about going and watching United in the in the seventies up to the nineties, mm. and it, and the, and the, the last bit of each line of each of each verse is whenever I see Man United play, and it's really uh, that's probably one that, and that was a very popular song. I mean, the chorus, the first verse, which is the last verse as well, it was taken off in J standard about five years ago, but it's never really carried on to the uh, to the properly. But it's still a song I'm immensely proud of, and that's. Uh, so that, that, that's one of them. Obviously, uh, well, the John O'Shea song, again, the full yeah, version of when Johnny Goes Marching Down the Wing. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and we, we did actually record a, a pub version, the full version of it. Uh, and Alan Keegan, uh, Lovely guy. To, to the bloke Alan, he, yeah, i oh, Alan played it a few times at Old Trafford at half time and, and it's it's very much like based cause people think he was to the tune of The Animals Marching Two by Two, but I'm cooler than that. I did it. <laughs> I came up with that idea driving, driving 20, uh, in 2002, I was driving in the outskirts of Manchester, and I had the levelers, the band of levelers, who had done a cover version of the clash English Civil War, and I was driving to work, and people are thinking about a day ahead of what they've got to do, and I'm driving in the rain, quite a similar day today. And I'm driving, thinking of this can get to John O'Shea. And Johnny goes marching home again, hurrah! And Johnny goes marching home, no English And I'm now half seven in the morning, driving with the windscreen micros on, thinking of a John O'Shea song as you <laughs> do. Glass. And then, and then in the Bishop's Blaze around around uh, September 2002, I started singing that song, and people were sort of laughing a bit. You know, no one knew the words. Yeah. And then by by April. April 2003, we played Charlton at home. We'd virtually won the league by beating Charlton a big 4 1. Mm-hmm. And there was a big, there was a pause in play. I think there was an injury, and the whole ground was singing it. It was 40, oh, 45,000 people were singing. And I remember Nicky Butt tapping John O'Shea and sort of looking around the stand and saying, Look, this is yourself. Johnny goes, Marty, now. And it was like, and that to me was to see that transform from like people laughing in, in September to the whole ground. So I'm quite proud of that one. Uh, and, then you, and then you've got like, Gary Neville is already, it's chant, mm-hmm. channel, which, as you said before, every team copied it and made a version of it, right. you know, Pompey fans would sing, we ate Scummers and City would sing about mm-hmm. United players, people that, who joined City and played for United, but when I started that song off, it was funny because the, cho- mm-hmm. the song had been sung about Chelsea, Stamford, British falling down in, in the 70s and 80s, but Sometimes you can try too hard, you can try a song, you can try and get song sheets out, and you, you, you try hard and it doesn't take off. And it, I'll tell you where it was, it was Ellen Road, and it was just after we'd been uh, be Juventus to get to the final in '99, and we played Leeds on the Saturday, and we drew one all on the squad at Ellen Road. And I just I didn't even have it in my head. I just stood up at Ellen Road, and it was a quiet moment, I just went, each other, each other. He, he ate scousers and then everyone sort of like looked down. And then I did it again, and uh, and the whole yeah, you know, the, then the whole ground, the whole United, then just, just, just started singing it. And then by the next game, it, you know, the whole ground was singing it. And sometimes it just things just take off, and, that, and that's how it goes. Uh, and sometimes you can try too hard to do it and it does that and then uh, so that's one of them and then how can I not uh, mention yeah obviously the Cantonelle song and Eric the King I mean I'm not sure if I've got four or five there but but Eric the King is uh, it's the fact that like of of all the players if Eric you know every if in in the British players if that song wasn't sung then people would just like kick off like and, and I think it you know it's sort of like Culminated really. I mean, it couldn't really get much better than last last September when I'm, I'm doing the uh, event in in Lindau with my friends Jan Eric and his family in Norway. And Eric uh, and I'm interviewing Eric on stage for an Amazing. hour, doing a Q and A with him. And that was one of the best. You know, that was a thrill. I met Eric loads of times, of course. And then Amazing. at the end. The crowd started just singing uh, who I" at Cantona Eric. so I got off and did "Eric the King" uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: a cappella on the stage with the microphone, and Eric and his uh, his two brothers are clapping along, singing along. So, that is amazing. And he, he's well aware, and I, I knew that his brothers have uh, watched it on the, uh, you know, they've watched it on on YouTube lots of times. They knew that you know they knew the words. So, I mean, I think Eric the King. Would probably, if there was ever to be a song on my uh, on my tombstone, it's probably "Be Eric the King." You know what I mean? And uh, it was released as a single. It, you know, the week it was number eleven in the indie charts. It was above Oasis. It was above Gary Newman, It was above Melv. Okay, they, they might have all sold hundreds of thousands more than me, but it was still I've still got like the charts from that week, and it's got Pete on the case stand above them, above all those artists. You know what I mean? Boily. So that's you
0: go, go ahead, that's man. That's right.
1: Yeah, but they're they're the favourite songs in own competitions. My favourite song, probably United song ever, which is from when I was a kid, is the Pride of all Europe, you know, it's just uh, there. People say you need answer, but if you sing that song, Night and Slow, that song is the perfect United song. So much so that I've I've got tattooed on the shoulder. Mm. We often score six, but we seldom score ten. if I'm on holiday, people spot that. You have to be able to know, in all the cropped people know that
0: yeah. what that means, you know what I mean? Well, what's interesting about that is, you know, <clears throat> and I'm sure that this must be a, a, a moment where you pinch yourself. I'm sitting in obscure parts of the world. Maybe I'm sitting, you know, with United on tour somewhere in some random bar in the middle of Texas, and they're belting out your songs, they're belting out songs that you've made that people from all over the world have come together to sing, to celebrate the love of United that has come from your brain, that has been your your thought. And it just to give you an idea of the, the overarching influence of this, um I still have this on video, I'll have to send it to you. Um my five year old went in the school and um did I just random singing songs we goes to a, a Catholic school and I'm not religious at all but uh my five year old decided to sing UNIT and of course uh why don't City fuck up on the chain <laughs> so, uh, I think I think, the, I think you
1: put this on Twitter, didn't you? Yeah
0: I, sure did, I, I did, I, I did. And uh it was uh the look everyone's face and uh of course my kids grew up listening to hearing these songs and um you know you here you have a five year old American kid that uh is belting out your songs, and, uh, and I think it's amazing that when you talk to players, I've been fortunate enough to interview a lot of ex- current and ex players, and I often ask them about their chance, I remember I was, you know, you know, asking you know, loads of players, remember me, uh, Michael Sylvester and all this, and these things stay with them forever, they identify with this forever, this is something that they don't get at other clubs, not every club has a culture like this, and Players who play for clubs with cultures like this, that immortalise them, that's who they identify with for the rest of their careers. And players who play for United will forever. It doesn't matter who they play for. I mean, even Henrik like Larson. You know, obviously he's a Celtic legend, but they'll heavily identify with it's short him at Manchester United. Um, these players forever yeah. identify with that because they get immortalised and song. And they've often said in these interviews, it's impossible to describe how it makes you and your family feel. When the entire stadium standing up singing a song about you personally, that's something that money can't buy.
1: It is, it really is, yeah. And, and it, it doesn't give me a buzz like you said when you know, for me, you know, I've been fortunate enough to like, you know, to as you know that, like, you know, to, uh, to you know, to get to know a lot of the ex players yeah. and meet some of the club players and, and you know, and, and actually have good friendships with a lot yeah. of the ex players and that and I, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm never blase about that. The fact is that you know, these people I like, idolise, you know I mean? Yeah. I woke up in a hotel room, sharing a room with, like, with it and he's been asleep snoring, and I've been thinking to myself, is this how far I've risen or how far I've is it? Probably a bit of both, really. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and I love it, and, you know, and I don't take it for granted, you know, I, you know it, it, it is a real pleasure when I'm sort of like, uh, you know, and, you know, I've, I've had the privilege, you know, and, uh, you know, Fergie, I see Fergie at a function, and I'll come mm-hmm. over I like Peter, you know, and all that, this is your Yeah, you know, I, I still get, you know, the first, the say, five, five or ten times that I met Eric or Fergie, and if you call me by my name, I'm, I'm actually trying to be cool, but I'm yeah. really, I'm like a little, I'm like, yeah. I'm like a 50-year-old kid on know the day. Exactly I exactly mean, what my, you mean. Stomach's, I've got the butterflies, but I'm trying to be cool, you know what I mean? No, but, uh, yeah, no, I, but to hear the songs, like I said, going back to the, uh, you know, like, I'm in the ground and I see but not. You know, it can be any song. It can be like "Hollow, Hollow." Chelsea successes, yeah. you know, "Hollow." And I go turn around to people around. And I go, no, "That's one of mine." <laughs> you like, you know that sort of thing. And, and it, it, it's good. It's. Uh, I remember even a funny moment last season when uh, Watford were playing. We played Watford at Old Trafford, and you know, but we could still go. And uh, and Tom cleverly is warming up for Watford. Mm-hmm. And I just stood, I sit now right in the corner, the family stand by the closed tunnel. And I stood up and I went, Hey, you never stop the cleverly, to mm-hmm. the tune of, you know, uh, stop the cavalry. Mm-hmm. And Tom looked around straight away, like, wave, like, because he looked at Tom, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And uh, I, spoke to, I spoke to his mate like, later on that day and he said, Yeah, Tom realised it was you straight away. He's warming up for Watson. No one else, I just stood up on my own and went, You never stop the cleverly. <laughs> and he's looking around, Tom. So little things like that, like. Tom cleverly you know, he's he's won a champion, he's won a title medal, and you know, you know, he did not stay United. or you know, he, he's there for a long time as a kid. But you he, know, like, he's got the memories of knowing that he had, a, he had a great song for him. You know what I mean? He played for United. Yeah, yeah, you know, I like to think, you know, going back in there, uh, you know, when, when I'm long gone, like you know, mm-hmm. I'm I'm, always, I'm in the United Opus, and, you know. People will have like, you know, the CDs and the tapes and it'll be the theater. But you know, I've contributed me a little small part and I'm, you can't
0: take that away from me no matter what happens, you know. Not at all. Look mate, I've been doing this 10 years and the ten years, started it started as a hobby for me. During those 10 years I've got to become friends with people who I've idolised, like yourself. And it is a mad feeling to see you get random texts from these people asking how you're doing. We're in their orbit and you are like, these are people that I would have given anything just for a picture and an autograph with who and I invite me to private functions when i having a beer together, we're going out doing things or sending kids my kids Christmas presents. It's always just weird, but it's not just like you, it's not something I take for granted. And inside, just like you, I'm trying to play cool, but inside I'm going, I cannot believe how privileged I am to be able to do this, to be able to speak to these people on a regular basis. Um, I've got one particular individual. He's particularly high profile, and uh, reached out to me about two years ago on WhatsApp uh, when I was dealing with some mental health issues, and uh, they have been absolutely immense to me. These, are, this is someone who you know, has been netted by the Queen. is is a you know it's a, a household name across the country, across the world, and I've realised how privileged I am to be able to enjoy these relationships. But it came about as a result of doing something that I love, like you did something for love. You, you didn't do it for this you didn't do it for that recognition this was exactly. an unintended consequence and some people resent that poorly, but i don't i think it's i think it's brilliant that this is an unintended consequence of something that you love and you get to enjoy that you know and i know exactly what you mean i think it's brilliant for you
1: thank you well i remember i remember a few years ago someone at united telling me the people used to write letters into the club and say when, when Pete retires, can I have his job? I don't <laughs> I think I had a proper job. I thought, I wish, you know, people say, oh, yeah, you hear rumours, oh, yeah, he gets pre you get you say, I wish, you know. And mm-hmm. I said, well, would I be going to work? Would I be going for my run at four in the morning, going to work for 12 hours if I got, if I didn't have to work and I'd made enough money on TV? And, but I don't, you know, I, I, I just, people can say what they want, it, it makes a good story, doesn't it, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. when people, but United, United in the past have, contacted me, I, I, we had a bit of banter about it. you know, they, they've told me about an email they've got, or they've got, you know, someone's wrote in saying, can they have the job and can, I pass, can they pass this on to me, you know <laughs> sometimes, p- people used to sometimes write letters in to me, care of United, and then I'd get, I'd, I'd go and collect them from the club sometimes, you know what I mean, so it was yeah. quite funny really, that's how it's sort of gone but, uh no, but it's uh, you know, I mean, still go to the games and you know, like I said, it's, a, it's a different sort of like chapter now because uh, I go to the games more now, you know, uh, with, with my lad. I mean, I sort of stopped going to the pub about two mm-hmm. years ago. And did you? I don't, it, it was, it, I did, I'm not, not really about going back. I mean, the pub are great. You know the score. But I just said to, I said to him, and it's going back, I always said to myself, when I was about 17, 18 in the pub, if I would have seen a 50-year-old bloke standing on a table, <laughs> every week I would have said turn it in mate so before mm-hmm. someone said that to me I decided to do it on the end of the because I still enjoyed enjoy it and I, 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 I miss it I miss mm-hmm. it now but some days on a match day now it's nice to go and watch a lot play football in the morning and then drive down and, and enjoy the game from a different way we still sing we get in the ground and we sing, we sing our hearts out but uh, you know it's just that uh, Going you know, going to the pub every every day for thirty years taking its toll on you really. Yeah. I mean it, it's good fun some people think it's good fun, but it's good fun if you're only doing it like, you know, people if you're coming over to a game a few times a year, yeah, on a holiday, isn't it? If you're doing it every every game and and, and and you know, and the pub have been great with me, they know the situation. I know people miss me, people say it's not the same and all that. And uh I, you know, and I'm, I'm not ruining out a return at some stage, but for the time being, you know, I, I still want to go. I go to the games, and I take Georgia. Like I said, it's a different chapter of in of in this
0: United supporting life. You know? Yeah, you know, life evolves. You move on. Your primary responsibility is the happiness of your your family, and uh, everything else comes secondary to that. One thing I will say about United, you um, know, one of the biggest football clubs in the world, and yet they do a very very good job. Even for someone like myself, you know. I, I, Typically cynical, and um, you know, I, I love his football club in a, in, a, in a typically British Irish cynical way. and that, you know, uh, a lot of the things that I t- talk about are negative, even though I love his football club. And for someone like myself, United still work with me. They still communicate with me. They still give me access to players when most other sporting institutions around the world wouldn't dream of doing it. And I commend them for that. And I'm extremely grateful, despite the fact that this massive yeah. football club, they still find a way to 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 not get above themselves and communicate with ordinary people and say, look, we'll, we'll take out as long as you don't get personal, as long as you don't if you keep it, you know, you keep the criticism towards the football club, you don't go after people personally. That's right, draw the line. Um, then you know the football club, I have to say, commend them for the way they've continued to work with me over the years and I'm sure at times they, they haven't wanted to. So they've always tried to maintain, at least in my eyes, um, a sense of normalcy and not getting above themselves. So you've talked about how United has changed for you uh, and how going to games has changed the experience for you. Um, obviously. Really, uh, a lot has happened over the last fifteen, twenty years. We've seen Manchester United fans. Some have gone to FC United, have taken personal choices, and everyone has. No one has the right to tell anyone else how to support a football club. And it all means it's all it's subjective. What does Manchester United mean to you? It means something different to somebody else. Uh, some people can give it up. Some people can't. I love this football club. I was incapable of walking away. Uh, to me, it's something that I love, and it's very important in my mental health. That was illustrated again during this uh, pandemic. Um, in a broader question, uh, did things change in two thousand and five for you?
1: Well, yes and no. I mean, the saddest thing was, is that you know, I've got some mates who went to watch FC, and I'm, you know, and I, you know, I went to the first game with them, just the a first friendly game. Mm-hmm. Wonder for me, I've got mates still. Uh, I don't. I, I respect the fact that the people that the people who genuinely gave up and, mm-hmm. and couldn't do it anymore. I respect that. Uh, I just know that, you know there was, there was always who, just, who did it and you know didn't give up the season to get. But it's like people lighted themselves off. And then when when the when, when the when the cup finals came around and they, they, they started going back to United and they would never given the season to get up at all. Some people. But that's the other issue. the issue. Sad, the saddest part of it was for me was some people were trying to prove that like they were there yeah. proper, saying top right. top proper there right. and instead of just saying you're not an FC United fan you know then they were coming out and and, and showing abiding loyalty having to go at anyone who
2: mm-hmm.
1: criticised like the, the way that United was run now to me there should be some middle ground here you should be able to not be an FC United fan but you should also be able to say that you're not happy with the uh, with what's happening at United as well yet yeah. yeah. it seems to me like the people were saying they were either there were, you were ever. If you're not, if you're not saying United's great, no matter what, take everything. Then it just means right. you're calling people you're a or you're FC United right. or all that. And really, you've got to, you've got to be actual. You've got to be able to have a middle ground, really. And I think that's, the, I think that's the saddest thing about it. And uh, there's just a lot of, there's, there's been a lot, there's just been a lot of a lot a lot of splits amongst United support really and it's, it's sad because we used to be very united together part of the pull. We we used to be very stick together and it's, yep. it's uh, I, I you know, I've like got mates who go to FC United. I was I used to, I know I knew Andy Waltz very well, and I know mm-hmm. I know a lot of the lads and the fanzine and that. And I they respected my decision and I respected their decision. And the ones who generally give up, I, I, I've got nothing but respect for them who sure. give up and stop going completely. At the time, if I thought that, I said this, if I, if I knew that like twenty, thirty thousand 30,000 people were not going to renew mm-hmm. in 2005, generally we could prove it, that could have actually done something about it. Yeah. I would have been with them, you know what I mean? Sure. But when it comes to it, when it comes to it, it was only a matter of like say hundreds rather than thousands who were, who were stopping going, uh, who were given up seats at least, right? And I just thought, you know, when you're younger, you have lots of, uh, you know, we we you know we have lots of interest. You go to concerts, you go out all the time, you have a big social life. And then when you, uh, as you get as you get older, things start disappearing. And United was the one one of the ones yep. left that the one left I had as a hobby and all that. And I, and I still love going to it. I didn't want to give it up. So it might be selfish, but I just that's how I am like. And like I said, now I've got I've got friends now. Stopped going in the last 10-15 years just because maybe they've just got older and, and the lives have gone a different way. But with me, it's still there. Something's still there for me. And I think it, I think having Georgie going to the games with me is one of the biggest things that's kept me like focused on wanting to go as well. Really, you know. Uh, but I think the saddest part about the whole thing was the division it caused amongst the United mm-hmm. fans. Uh, that that is the that is the saddest thing and the fact that you know. Uh, it's going back to the old unity thing now I mean you know it's in, we've got mentioned mention it's in the news about the current United captain and yeah. you know, and he's in uh,
2: he's in
1: a bit of, he's mm-hmm. in a bit of bother Harry and uh, we don't we don't know all the ins and outs what's happened but the old United would stick by yeah. you know we stick by uh, our people we look at like we do right. with Eric when, you know United, United is a club you know United is a club actually professional with Eric you know the fans yep. we all stuck by Eric well, straight away, United banding themselves and we yep. took him down and closed door. I thought he dealt with him how he did. Didn't publicly lambasting, but you know, we actually, you know, somewhere behind the ball, someone said, "Look, you can't be doing this. You can't be doing that, right?" Of but course. we stuck dying, and that's different to how how Liverpool reacted with obviously with the Suarez thing, where you know they yeah. declared the run by. one thing being loyal as a club, right? And it's, fans are going to have their thing there's a professional side to it now. I'm, with, with, with Harry, I think that you know he'll regress it, and I'm sure, I don't know. But people's asking me, do you think he should be captain? G? That's not my decision as a fan. If I've got an opinion of it. I would say, don't bow to the public pressure. It looks like he's had a. It looks like he's been given. a... You know, it, it looks like he's been set up a little bit to me. I'm not saying he's. Con- he, he, Harry no one thinks harry's be, behaves completely impeccably no matter what no matter what the provocation right but don't you know this is when he needs our support let's stick by him, yeah. you know what i mean well. stick by him and let me, you know Oli Oli, and Ollie and the rest of the people at the club will deal with anything else that's not to the fans who dictating what to do right But people think if the captain is to this player good to that player to me Harry Maguire United's captain. And he's played every game last season, right? And he, to me, you know, he's been a big difference. He's going to get better and better. Yeah, he's, he's been involved in an unfortunate situation, right? Nobody's dead, right? You
0: know what I mean? It's, life goes on. Mm. People, are, We're all human. No matter how much money exactly, you have, we're all human, aren't we? I was just right? going to say, Ed, people have this expectation that just because you make a certain amount of money and you have a certain type of job, you start becoming human. Um, how many lads have been away, pissed up in a bar, and something's kicked off. Something's happened, right? Come on, I—I—I I, I, I don't. Anybody in their forties hasn't been away on a lad's trip where something's kicked off. With a few drinks, it happens all the time. This is not a hang on offense. The Suarez incident was not analogous to what Harry Maguire did because the Suarez incident wasn't an individual incident between two people or three people. That was a social issue that was completely unacceptable. That Liverpool weren't just backing Luis Suarez; they were backing a particular view that was completely indefensible. Uh, where Harry Maguire, we're talking about an individual incident here. That all the facts we don't know, and you're absolutely right. If we, before we castigate anyone, we give them Benefit of the doubt and say, you know what, we back our people before because the world will attack them anyway, right? So it's important exactly. that, that, that and, we uh, defend them.
1: Well, well and it, it, it sounds like Eric, when in the past and Fergie, Fergie would have, Fergie would have always said to us, you know, well this is like, you know, we stick by out we stick by together, yeah. right? So you know, you're not you're not telling me that Fergie didn't have quiet words with people like of Eric and with team, right? But he knew that the man managed place it's about man management sometimes. And with Harry now, yeah, you know, people go, oh, don't feel sorry for someone who's on like 200 grand a week. Well, it's a it's a human being, he's a working class lad, working class lad, right? He's out there, you know, with the community, you know, look after your family. And if somebody, somebody, Alex, somebody allegation, what I've, what I meant to been done about his family are true, he's acted, like naturally, right? Yeah, you could stand back and say with with. We're, we're in hindsight. what are you, a high-profile footballer, don't get involved because you will you not be the end of it, right? But P, it's human nature. It was human nature for Eric to, you know, 100%. To, when Eric accidentally slipped in the crowd because someone called I mean, him, <laughs> you know, his lover, whatever, right? When he the, but you know, it's human nature. I'm not saying it's right. but It's human nature. But now I would say, as fans, we should back. We back Harry Maguire, right? We back. We back him, and. Whatever, and we respect whatever decision Ollie and his coaches and in the club come to, right, yeah? You know, they might decide, that, that whatever they decide, on football, from a football point of view, or from, the club's got to be seen to do that. We're back and and I'm sure that, you know, whatever happens, Harry will take it on the chin, you know what I mean? Whatever happens, you know, I personally, for this time, I would have said, you know, you'll be spoken to, we don't have a right to know what the club have said. We we do have to make a statement saying what Ollie said to him. That's no, one, that's no one's business. Correct. Let let the club decide it an internal issue. Decide right. And if Harry Iragwize captain, great. If he's not, that's the club decision. It's not. You know, it's not like trying to get opinions of everyone else. he shouldn't be captain. He shouldn't. Be, he should be. In. Let's just get on with like trying to recruit some you know, new players for the start of the season and push on again
0: that's what I think, couldn't uh, agree more. and boy like, you've been out with footballers you know the shite to take from people pissed up lads footballers I, I've i been out with boxers and I see lads get a few drinks in them especially if they're fans of other clubs whatever, and they start mouthing and the, the footballers have to put up with an unbelievable, as do many high-profile athletes, but especially footballers, because they're the most recognised athletes in the country, In the tribalism, have to put up with unbelievable provocation and always have to be the one that walks away. And sometimes they're having the worst type of abuse spat at them, and they're always in the wrong if they react. So, um, you know, I've seen that, and I'm sure you've seen it being out with footballers. And uh, so for me, I think... Um, some of it has to be taken into consideration. That most likely there was Harry Maguire didn't go to Greece to get in a bit of a bit of trouble. he probably want like most of us wanted to go and have a few drinks, let his hurt, and he'd had a long season and be left alone. But most likely he wasn't. Um, one or two questions, mate. Before you go, you've been so kind and generous with your time. One of the things I want to get your yep. opinion on, because this divides opinion quite a lot, is, um, and, I, and I'm as guilty as anyone, right? So, obviously, as things have changed over the years with uh, support and Munchies Netted, uh, you talked about divisions amongst the support base, uh, and, and how supporters communicate today. Uh, I am of an older version type. type. Um, I am not someone that is into... Fan cams that wants to do multiple, it you, you, puts out forty different opinions a day. That seem to me designed to deliberately wind people up um, and see. I, for, for each of their own. For either, some of the people behind them, I know and I have no no issues with. But it's not, it's not a, it's not, um, it's, it's not something that I particularly enjoy when I see some of these fan cams set up with. First of all, views that are absolute utter nonsense and, uh, and seem to be in some cases deliberately pejorative and toxic.
1: That, well, the, the, the thing is, right, is that the Artful fan thing was the one that like, people yes. realized it was a success because it was antagonistic. And in fact what well, fanzines used, used to do better. When, when clubs were struggling, really, because people wanted like, to manage, sack the board. Like that. Right. So that was a natural thing. But fanzines generally were, were passionate things by people. And if the, if the editor sold enough and it became successful, it paid for some days out of the matches. It might pay for him to go to, right. some game. It might pay for his season to get. But it was a passion. People were still right. stapling things together on a tight doing that sort of thing originally. Right, before, you know. And the fan cams, you know, the very fact that uh, the bigger clubs that these people, these a media companies behind most right. of the main walls. Yeah, that's the
0: part. Who, right. and, and, you know, people who are
1: actors, you know, actors pretending to be Right, and, exactly. And with professional camera crews, and it's not, you know, they're not, and the biggest thing is they say something controversial because it gets more hits, you know what I mean? You get, mm-hmm. get hits, so, say something, yeah. You know, I think with with, with the full-time demos originally, you know, they got someone mm-hmm. saying out, he became, became a bit of a cult figure amongst amongst the YouTube generation we have that guy Andy someone I think he's that don't really say, and he was making yeah. loads of quotes about Moy's must Go and it became you know and people who weren't even into football were like people who were not into football would watch Arsenal TV and would watch like some some of those quips about Moys and all that and it became and then all the others realized say something controversial, mm-hmm. you get more hits, you get more views and it, to me it's just, it just it just stinks of like that purely what they're doing it for. You know, you've seen the ones with people permit, you know, a Forest fan and a Tottenham fan pretending to be United fans, and the same thing with like trying to trying to make a race issue at United. You know, trying to mm-hmm. think country's not being picked yes, because he's black when you know, it's just absolutely ludicrous. But the fact is, he says something controversial and outrageous. People remember it, and people go, "What's all this? What are they all talking about this for?" So people view it more, and that's what they're trying to do. They're desperately trying to do it. I I personally think uh, the difference is is that the way the way fanzines evolved, like United We Stand started out like Andy Mitten, young lad, United fans, he Mm -hmm. started out stapling it, his schoolmates selling it right, and it's developed into a real professional magazine now, but it's not always been that. Andy still does it as a fan game, right? And he, yeah, he might sell it in some news agency a subscription, but it's still Andy's still the editor, and he's still got a lot of people who've been with him a long time on it, right? It's more professionally done in terms of less spelling mistakes, and it's not stapled like, by Handmade anymore, right? But that's a, they are generally fans who've, who've made it, and it, it's evolved. Fan cams have just literally come in and you know, like I said, with pe- the fact that the media companies behind them and the people have been, like, parachuting in to pretend to be fans and say something, let's do this now. And they realise it's the biggest club in the world. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to have more, you get more more views. You know, they're not going to set a fan cam up, no disrespect, at Southend United or, at, like, Berwick, um, Berwick, whatever they're called up there, or Alloa, Because there's not enough people to do it, is there? Yeah. You know, they want to go for where the biggest kill is and they know they can get... And the sad thing is is that you see these people with hundreds of thousands of followers and people defending them from all over the world. And, and you, get, you get people, and I'm proud of our support around the world. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I've got lots of friends all over the world. I've been over the I, I travel a lot around Europe in particular because of United, because to Scandinavia. But when you get people, you know, in like, in, in, in Africa and in, in, in Australia America you who know, go to Old Trafford and they're asking people like from... from People like us to give up seats to, to get rid of the glazers And what have you give up, mate? You know what I mean? Right. You know, they're saying they're not going. Really, are saying they boycotting. They're boycotting because they don't go to the games anyway. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's these sort of people, that, and they're the sort of people generally, and it's connected, who support like the fan cams, who support things like that. They they, they think they, they don't see anything wrong with the fact that someone's a not even forage fan or a Tottenham fan, and you go, oh, the content's good to say this. And I, I'll never, I'll never to this day, For the day I die, understand how anyone could could subscribe or watch somebody, a grown man in his bedroom watching a game on TV, <laughs> shouting at a TV. I just don't get it. I mean, I've not done it myself, but I've seen four seconds, around, I'm just, i have just got turn that off, get it off. You know what I mean? <laughs> and you know, and it's to me, each, each of the, other, I know that, the, I know that the world's changed, and we do podcast, and we have, and we, you know, I know it, there's more people doing it, and. It's, doing different things. I've done my own podcast myself mm-hmm. with my own, on my own. But I think you've got to draw a line. And I just think that it's, the, mod- the modern way is fake. And, I, and I'm sorry, there's probably a, a couple of good people behind who work, couples, a couple of the fan cams, who I do know. But overall, as, as a concept, I think they're false. I think they're false, and I think they're just out to milk people. And the sad thing is you've got people queuing up to get on them because you realise now, like you get people queuing up to go on X Factor or Big Brother, people realise you can become well known in this world yes. by just doing something you like that. You get know. to your race of somebody, followers. who's a proper journalist, somebody who's a proper journalist, yeah, other people call themselves journalists now because they do a fan camp. Yeah. People have been to university to, to do journalism courses. People call themselves journalists yes. because they do a
0: fan camp, because they run a Twitter account. You know what I mean? I, I just, I'm not a fan of it. Uh, uh, on that, boy, first of all, I will correct anyone who calls me a journalist because I'm absolutely not a journalist and I would never insult actual journalists who do legitimate journalism work. First of all, there's nothing neutral about anything that I do, there's no, uh, it's, there's no implication of neutrality, I'm a United fan, I do it from a very biased perspective um, but I think some of the things that just bother me and uh, to finish up is uh, from, and I have to say I'm a hypocrite because I have a podcast but my, I've never tried to monetize my podcast, I've never tried to sensationalise it it's always been a labour of love for me about something that I love to do and look, people can criticise my particular views and that's perfectly fine That you put them out there, you get criticised I've had people criticise me and, and on these uh, fanzines, in that misunderstood first of all, and I said this earlier I would never tell anyone how to support Manchester United, that's not my place, I would never tell anyone that you are, do, do, as a result of doing this, you are therefore you know, endorsing the Glazers or whatever, I wouldn't do that, Manchester United means different things to different people, and I myself... Support the Glazers in an indirect way. I'm paying for, for television subscription channels to watch my favorite football team because I can't go that to that length and give it up completely. So I would be completely uh, misplaced for me. Where I have an issue is I was corrected a couple of times because these people claim to speak for Manchester United fans. These people claim to represent Manchester United fans views and these people claim that My view was it was invalid because it didn't reflect theirs, Uh, and and the idea that human beings are incapable of evaluating another human being honestly without being a racist, quite frankly, is despicable. Um, The idea that I or you or For for that individual, that individual would be incapable of evaluating Luke Shaw without being, without having a racist point of view. is 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 pathetic to me, and I I I can evaluate a player who happens to be of a different persuasion um, without having any. Uh, racial overtones or or, or, or any uh, stereotypes. I just think that is just so disgraceful. It it divides the support base, and I I don't see anything positive to come from that. Um, and the misinformation that gets spread, accusing the so scared of getting the job because he's only because he's white. And I just think that is just a level of conversation well, that is just despicable to me.
1: it really really yeah, it, it's, it's it's outrageous, and uh, you know the, the fact is in United revolved you know it's just. It's ludicrous to suggest, but like I said, we don't care because if they're not, if they're not, if not fans anyway, then they're just thinking, well, wait a minute, you know, we can we can move on to something else, you know. And the yeah. fact of it is that it, it, it just saddens me, and, 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 and then you get some people who are from like the other side of the world might say that, like, oh, are you just jealous. Well, why am I jealous? I've been offered jobs on Funko. I'm not jealous. I'm I'm just I'm I'm resentful of the fact that like looks like you are falling for it. You know mm. what I mean? Said, if you want, if you want to listen to these people, pretending tendency the United fans, you do it. That right? it's a free world, right? right? But just don't pretend. You know, just don't don't mention anything that they said to me in, in the right breath because it's right. ridiculous. You know what I
0: mean?
1: Yeah. And, uh, and and that's all I do. And uh, and, and, I'm, and I'm not ashamed of, uh, of being outspoken about that.
0: Boy, just one quick comment for a go. I want to commend you first of all, mate, on people have been dealing with this lockdown in many, many different ways. Uh, as middle-aged men, um, you know, we're faced with lots of different challenges, lots of men out there are struggling with mental health. I did a podcast yesterday with Pat McGibbon, uh, who, of course, lost his brother when he was at United at 19, which I'm going to broadcast as well. So you've seen you do a lot with your own health physically. You've been out doing a lot of running. You've been out doing things that uh, is an inspiration to people like myself and many others, you know, that uh that. You know, just because you're at a certain point in your life doesn't mean you have to give up physically. I commend you immensely on doing that and uploading that and, and, and being positive and providing and, and spreading that positive message to people like myself and others who see that and think, fair play to you, mate, that's class. So, uh, well done, boy. Congratulations, man.
1: Well, thank you. Well, since I've been doing it as well, I've had quite a few private messages on, on, on social media yeah. with people just saying, you know, they admire it. And I've not done it for that. Me, I've done it for myself, initially. But I've watched a book if I'm helping someone else out, and I said to people, contact me, and i give people tips and say, look, anyone can do it. you get a pair of trainers and a pair of shorts. You don't need a gym membership. You can go out running no matter where you live, right? You can go out running. And I've done it, and then that's made me start eating and eating a healthier lifestyle again. I've lost weight. And, uh, and, it, and it's great. It's great for your mental health, for I me. Mean, I'm tired now. I've been working today. I'm working tomorrow morning, but no matter what the weather is tomorrow morning, I'll be out of my house at 4.30 Gosh. a.m. in the morning and I've been, I've been running three and a half miles, and you know what, it clears your head, and I, I, it does, and no matter how tired I am, the way I see it now, and I'm not saying I'm gonna run every day the rest of my life, right, but it's 154 days tomorrow on the run, I've been running, right, and I've not missed one day in that time, since end of March, and I say to myself, well, wait a minute, I'm not running 10 miles, I'm not running a mountain every day, if I get, if I feel a tweak and I feel a bit of a, an injury, I won't run if I hurt myself, but at the moment, it's—I don't feel like I feel good when I run. I'm not saying that I don't run. I don't wake up going, "Yes, going to run." But when I'm on the run and when I'm finishing the run, I feel great. I think about things and things like life. And mm-hmm. and you know what? It's 24 hours in every day. No matter how busy you are, it's—I go out running for 35 minutes. I, we can all fit. I can fit 35 minutes into any day. When I finish work, when I do nights, I get home at seven in the morning. And I have the running gear ready. And I go, I, go, I get straight to the trains in the shop, and, and I go from a run. It makes me sleep better. And I just think to myself, you know what? And yeah, we can all think of excuses. If I was going yep. to the gym, I might think, oh, am I, I going to get a parking spot? Right? Or oh, it might be busy. The, you know, the, the treadmills might be busy. There's nothing to stop me going out running on the road. And I, you know, I used to be, I used to be a, and I used to be completely a favour gyms. And I'm not, not going to do with gym, right? It's great. It worked for me for years, years ago. But now I'm a convert to running on the road because no one can stop me. I put my headphones in, I listen to and I, I, I listen to the tunes, and I run, clear my head, get home, have a shower, go to work. And I love it, you know, and, uh, and it does. And if anyone who follows me on social media, on Twitter, people are telling me, if they've got any issues and they need a bit of tips about it, you know, by all means, contact me. I'm
0: happy to help, you know what I mean? You absolute legend. Boily Dave Puffy, myself, thank you so much. Uh, all my love the Bella, Georgie, and uh, your lovely wife, thanks for doing this, mate. I Very much appreciate it.
1: Take
0: care, thanks. Cheer- yeah? Cheers, Paul. Bye bye. <clears throat>